to charities when I'm asked. I donate time at Thanksgiving to help feed the hungry. I help the elderly cross the street. I pride myself on being a good man among wicked people. And part of being good is my love of Christmas. I have always loved Christmas. As far back as memory will take me, I have found magic in the holiday. As a child, the wonder came from the presents, the food, the music, and the two weeks we got off of school. Days stretched out into an eternity of whiteness as I played in the snow, pretending my brothers and I were explorers in the great frozen wilds. When I grew older, it was what the holiday had meant to me as a boy that stuck with me, that nostalgia. Looking back with tinted glasses at the laughter of the games, the music, and the lights, remembering Dad's Christmas pancakes burned around the edges but still delicious, Mom's homemade bread that filled the house with its scent, the dinner ham bought from the local farmer's market that took over most of our table and seemed to last for a dozen meals. The further away I got from being a boy and the closer I got to being a man, the more my memories changed. As I got older, more frost covered the windows of my mind until the smallest and pettiest squabbles were gone because there wasn't room for anything other than the sweetness of those gingerbread memories. They were what mattered most. I pushed an ugly truth back into the shadow behind the big, bright tree I kept in my mind. Dad's anger over the cost of the holidays, Mom's steady drinking during November, December, January, the barely hidden racism of my extended family that bubbled to the surface as the family gathered around the tree, the way my older brother took the presents me and my younger brother had gotten for our parents and swapped them for what he had gotten them, always something cheap and ridiculous from a dollar rack. The loneliness of looking out into the snow and hearing the late days Christmas squabbling out in the living room as I wished I was back at school and away from it all. I pushed those things with their jagged edges and droning noise towards the back of the Christmas tree in my mind, into the darkness, beyond the twinkling lights where I didn't have to deal with them, where I could forget them. I replaced them with the happy memories, as fragmented and scattered as they were, and I focused on those. And so, I forgot those bad times. And in forgetting, I got to keep my love for the holiday that had meant so much to me. Sometimes forgetting is necessary. Sometimes it's for the best. Now that I'm a man of 48, with a career, a wonderful woman, and her twin girls, the past doesn't sting as much as it may have when I was young. Mom and Dad are both gone and buried. I haven't seen my oldest brother in over a decade. My brother, my youngest brother, Jeffrey, well, I don't like to think about it at all. For my part, I cling to the moment. I cling to the bright lights of the now and not the sharp edges of my past. I try to think of those good times, but the things I pushed to the back of the tree keep coming out so that all I can see are the bills and the crowds and bickering, and the only relief is a drink now and then. It's hard to keep the candle in my heart lit during this time of year. That is why the girls are so important to me, to remind me of the magic of the season, to keep me good. Christmas Eve had come, and I had two gifts to pick up. I had ordered dresses for the girls, and they were finally in. I had ordered them in October, and they were finally at the store, and I knew that the girls would absolutely love them. The dresses had been done for a week, but I hadn't had the opportunity to get down to pick them up yet, but knew that I had better do it now or ruin the entire surprise for Christmas. I headed out on my lunch, but there had been a heavy snowfall the night before, and it made traversing the sidewalk interesting, to put it mildly. And when joined with a city full of people desperate to finish their shopping before they left town that evening, it made for a slow and deliberate journey. I was blocked in the shop when I happened to look across the street at the twinkling Christmas lights in an office window and noticed a young man standing in the shadows of an alley. 
I had been deep in thought, wondering if I had time for a quick drink before I went back to work when I saw him. He was standing with only his head and left shoulder revealed, face pale, eyes wide, hair long, brown, and greasy, and he looked so familiar that looking at him stopped me in my tracks. I stopped so suddenly that another man walked right into me and dropped his coffee. I turned, hands up, and apologized, and then turned back and the young man was gone. The strange thing was that I'd swear that the young man was about to lift his arm to wave to me, but I had looked away when the coffee man had run into me. I hurried my pace to get to the dress shop and was just in time to stop her from flipping her sign to close. The dresses were beautiful. Gold with red trim, matching just like the girls matched, only each was just slightly different. I had the seamstress sew in a message to the bottom hem of each dress, upside down so that when the girls lifted them, they'd see a message from me. Something simple but different for each girl. That was the difference between the dresses, and that alone. I smiled to myself to know how much they loved my gift. The old guy did good. I was walking back to my office building when I saw the young man again, this time standing in the alcove just ahead of me as I approached him. As, as, as I approached him, he was with a little girl. He looked bad. She looked worse. Eyes sunken, skin sallow, head and body in the shape and horror. She looked like a skeleton that had crepe paper pulled over it to the point of terror. She locked eyes with me and smiled. Disturbed, I looked back at him, lowering his mirror. The sight of them unnerved me, but I dropped my eyes and hurried forward. I knew him. I knew I knew him. I just didn't recall from where. I made it to my building, and they were already gone, though the air where they had stood felt like walking through steam after a shower. I pulled the door to the office open and walked into the building, but didn't see the girl or the young man. They were simply gone. I spent the last ten minutes of my lunch searching everywhere on the first floor, but could find no sign of them. I looked around once more, but I had a meeting to get to, so I let it go. But I didn't let it go. I was distracted the rest of the day. Who were they? What did they want? Why did it matter? Why did I care? It was 3.30 and another snowstorm had moved into the area. I was one of the last in the office, the boss long gone, and me the highest one on the ladder that was left. We were supposed to stay until 5, but I told everyone else to go home. I'd stay and shut it all down. I had an hour drive that would become two hours in this mess of a storm, and the less people on the road, the better. By the time five came, it looked like it was just me in an abandoned city. I stopped working at 4.30 and just stood in the boss's office and stared out of the way. Seeing it hidden by the snow made me feel calm. I thought of how much the girls were going to love those dresses. They insisted they didn't like dresses, but when they saw what I had gotten them, they'd changed their lives. They'd changed. I fully realized that I'd forgotten a present for their mother, and I frowned. She'd understand. The girl came first. I'd just get her something at the store on my way home. My smile returned. I was about to grab my things and leave when I saw them standing in the falling snow and looking up as if they were waiting for me to see them. They would keep waiting until I looked their way. There were three of them now. The young man, the girl and now an old woman wearing a thin dress with a Christmas tree on it and a long pattern across the middle, bent over with her hand on, on the shoulder of the little girl. What was she thinking? She was going to freeze to death out there. What were any of them thinking? None of them were dressed for the weather. They had to be part of a homeless community or something. As I watched them, the young man raised a hand and gave a short wave. Turning from the window, I hurried back to my cubicle and grabbed my coat and pulled it on and rushed for the elevator. 
It wasn't until I was downstairs and hitting the door to the exit of the building that I realized I left my car keys, my bag, my hat, and worst of all, the dresses in my queue. I stopped before the door closed and pulled it open. Hey, I forgot my keys. Can you let me back in in a sec? I asked the security guard. Uh, a long drawn out pause. <laughs> I guess, just buzz. He finally answered as if he was speaking with a chore. I nodded and went outside. The night guy. I hated the night guy. <laughs> I gritted my teeth against the cold snow as it splashed my face. Everything fell away from me but the need to get to them, to find out what they wanted. The man was there at the end of my recollection. I knew that as soon as we were face to face, it all come clear and I would know who he was. I saw the three shapes across the street and pushed through the drifting snow towards them. Across the sidewalk, into the street, the man raised his hand and beckoned me forward to them and smiled as he did. I put my head down and pushing forward, thighs aching, calves burning. I was almost to them when I heard honking. I looked up and saw a semi-truck skidding toward me. For a moment, I was frozen and it came at me, but the driver was able to turn the wheel just enough so that he slid past me, the load he carried whispering mere feet from my face. I stumbled forward again and arrived in time to catch the warmth they had left behind and the strong scent of mold. I spun around to look for them, but they weren't there. I heard the driver from the truck asking after me if I was okay, if I needed anything, but I ignored him and stumbled back towards my office. When I didn't respond to the driver's concerned inquiries, they turned aggressive and angry and became shouts. I heard him getting out of his truck, but it was at the door of the office and bang, bang, banging on it to get back inside. I needed to be inside. I needed to do my things. I needed to go home. I started to pull the door handle in again and again and again to shake the guard out of the stupor and heard the truck driver approaching me. Suddenly I was spun around and I felt my, felt my face erupt in warped. It felt wonderful for one instant, the wet heat, and then the pain flooded in, in and I fell back against the door. I shook my head and heard the garbled voice of the trucker and there over his shoulder were the three of them with the man waving to me. Then it hit me as to who he was just as the second punch broke my nose with a crunch. My head slammed back against the glass doors, cracked from the force. I wavered and the man grabbed my coat and pulled his fist back again. The world was awash in flashing lights of red, green, and blue. I thought I heard a familiar carol coming from somewhere. The man in front of me smiled through a spattering of blood. The second door in the building burst open and I heard the angry voice of the security guard yelling at the trucker. Then that voice became two voices that clanged and rattled in my head like pots thrown downstairs. I fell to my knees and reached out and grabbed hold of the clothing door and pulled it open and crawled inside. All I wanted to was to get inside, away from the cold and the trucker and Jeff. The waving man was Jeff, brother Jeff, long dead and gone. Jeff would call me at the end, begging me to come to the hospital where he was rehabbing, pleading with me. It was the day after Christmas and he was all alone. The family had chosen tough love for Jeff after years of watching him try and fail and try and fail, always back into the dope, always back on the street, always begging for help. Tough love would make him get better, get himself better. That was what we thought. Addict heal thyself. Yeah. Only he didn't. The cops found Jeff on the street, raving, screaming at a stop sign, and so the police arrested him and then dumped him in the city hospital's rehab unit, a place affectionately called the Peanut Butter House because it held so many nuts. He called for help. He begged me, please come, please come, please come. It's Christmas. And what did I tell him that night? No. I just didn't care enough about him to bother. I had no reason in the world to deny him, to deny him my company, especially at Christmas. But I did. Why couldn't he be more like me, on the right path, a good man, 
doing good things. Mm. No, not him. The call came the next afternoon. I was still hung over and grabbed the phone clumsily and rude when I answered. It was a hospital with some horrible news. Jeff was gone, found hanging from his room's door. I never read the note he had left for me, throwing it away and pretending it never got to me. We paid for him to be cremated and let the county take care of him. He did this to himself, they had told us, and he was right. What could I have done? I was just a good man and poor Jeff was not, and now he was gone. Except he wasn't. Not really. He was here, and he brought friends. I stumbled to the elevator just as the police were arriving. I saw the security guard beckoning to me from outside as the doors of the elevator closed on everything and it was too late. I had to be just up, up, up. Jeff and his friends were waiting for me as I exited the elevator. My three fates, hark my herald demons sing, curse the good man, a self-crowned king. Jeff, the girl, the old woman. The girl stood with her head resting on her shoulder. It's way too much. Her features exaggerated and out of proportion. Her head larger than it should be, her hands and feet larger too, her eyes wide and unblinking, her mouth a thin line that cut across her pale, her, her thin, pale skin. Her arms and legs like strings holding tight to balloons that might drift off with the slightest breeze. She was holding hands with Jeff, who was smiling at me. The girl smiled too. We all like to be recognized. She would be 11 now had she lived. I had been seeing a woman for three months after meeting, after meeting her at a friend's Christmas party. That's how it started. Through months of fun, booze, and laughter. We were having the time of our, time of our lives until the day she told me she was pregnant. Then the fun ended. I was furious. How dare she do this to me? She told me in a corner booth at the bar we always went to, a shared bottle of wine between us, and her cry, cry, crying as, a pe- as people craned their heads to look. I pulled out my wallet and asked her how much it would take to make it go away. I had just got a foothold and the company was on my way up as long as I kept on the straight and narrow. And the last thing I needed was to have a baby with a stranger to bring me crashing back down to earth. But, 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 I insisted. I threatened. I was a good man and I wouldn't let her ruin me this way. Finally she agreed. Shoulders fallen, head down. Most of the water, bottle of wine gone just from her and she agreed. It was late and I knew a place. It wasn't far so. I drove her. I went into the clinic with her and waited until they told me it was done, and then I left and never saw her again. She could catch a cat home. I fell back against the wall and slid past them, the two smiling faces and then the frowning third. Jeff with the wide, bright burn around his throat, the girl with her toothless, toothless smile and large, expressionless eyes, and the old woman who glared at me as I slowly made my stumbling way back to my cubicle. I couldn't breathe out my nose, so I sucked down air with my mouth and gulped. I was a mess of blood and had left a trail behind me. I made it to my cube and scooped up my keys, my hat, my bag, and the bag with the dresses. I leaned against the desk to catch my to catch my breath. I took a deep breath and closed my eyes. I opened my eyes and looked at the white box the dresses were in inside. Turned red, redder, redder. As the blood from my hands soaked it, the dresses, my beautiful dresses. <coughs> The world wavered in and out. I turned and saw the three of them close enough to touch the heat from them making me sweat. And now the woman was smiling because I knew who she was too. Who she had to be. I had been hurrying home. The twins were young then, maybe four. Me and their mother hadn't been together long, but I knew she was the one. She had to be, flaws and all, and I was perfect for her. We both knew that. I had been with a work friend at the bar that night to celebrate his holiday raise. He had left an hour earlier to get home for Christmas Eve dinner. And I stayed to talk to the bartender. 
When I looked up at the clock, I froze when I saw it was midnight and I had been due home at nine. I hadn't even gotten my girlfriend and her daughters any gifts. I had to find a store, quick. Panicked, I paid my cab and stumbled out to my car with bartender insisting I take the cab, but I was fine. I was fine. I had driven when I was tipsy plenty of times and it was no big deal. People made it out made it out as if it was impossible and it wasn't. You just drove more cautiously, that was all. Mm. I was almost to the store when I saw the car on the side of the road, its emergency blinker slowly blinking and an old woman holding a newspaper over her head, standing beside it. It had been snowing for an hour now and she didn't have a coat on. She waved to me. We locked eyes for a minute and I forgot to turn the wheel for one second, but I swear, I swear I turned the wheel in time to miss her. It was the wet pavement, not me. The wet pavement made my car skid sideways a little, and then I felt a crunch, and when I hit the gas, I saw the woman in the car slide backwards down an embankment and out of sight. She was fine, though. I scared her, that was all. Scared us both. <laughs> She'd be cold and scared and probably a little angry, but she'd be able to amble back up that embankment and flag someone down with no problem. Who just let an old, ma- old lady in a dress stand in the snow like that? Not anyone good. I left the car in the garage after that and got rides to work until things calmed down. Cars got something wrong, I said. Saves money to carpool. Then the headline. Retired teacher dies in ditch after hitting rocks. I was a good man and I didn't deserve to have my life ruined by an accident. One tiny mistake. Like what had happened in high school. An honest mistake. And now here she was after all those years, my herald. Smiling at me with her left hand on the nameless little girl's shoulder and bent over as blood poured and poured and poured from her abdomen where I had nearly cut her in half. I stood and dropped my head for a moment and closed my eyes again. I felt their heat as I watched and I wondered what would happen if I just let their warmth embrace me completely. But I didn't have time for that. In a moment I was up and stumbling for the back elevator. I didn't have time for their guilt. I knew the security and the cops were probably on their way up to question me, and I wanted none of it. It was almost Christmas. I had to get home. <coughs> I closed my eyes and hurried past them and felt their sticky heat clawing at me. Stumbling, bloody hands thrust outward against the wall to steady myself as I tried to hold tight to my things. Down fell my hat. Down fell my bag. Down fell my keys. All I had left were my dresses. I'd never let them go. My whole body ached and I was pushing myself as hard as I could. I heard the three of them start humming an old Christmas song. Something Mom would sing from the kitchen as she cooked, something Dad would join in, join her in singing halfway through. I heard and smiled even as the tears came and mixed with the dry blood on my face. <coughs> Why can't they just leave me alone? I heard the elevator open but was already at the door of the stairs and took them two at a time. Down, 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 hurrying. The heat from the three of them followed me, engulfed me. Their song filled the stairwell and echoed, and echoed in my head. Hark my herald demons sing, glory to the self-crowned king. I glanced back and up and saw them standing at the top, all three with their hands up and waving to me. Hello, goodbye, waving as they started to sing. I screamed. I was rushing down the stairs. And then, and then, and then I missed a step and slip in a pool of something red and slick and falling forward and all I can do is start to laugh. I laughed as I hit my thigh, my arm, my side. I laughed as my leg snapped, as my wrist shattered, and as my head smashed into the steps and down, down, down. It didn't seem as if I'd ever stopped falling down those steps. I suppose it was always going to be this way. I was a good man, and good men got what they deserved. I suppose someone will find me sooner or later. Lying at the bottom of the stairs with my head, a shattered ornament twisted around so I can see them, 
when the police arrive. The bloody dresses spread beneath me like angels' wings. Whoever comes won't find me. No. It'll just be my body abandoned so I can travel light. I'll be with my old friends, my three heralds, holding hands, singing, smiling in the dark, finally together for Christmas. Exactly what a good man deserves.